Our scripture reading this evening is from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen, uh, unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, someone asked me to give uh, just a few words on uh, Ukraine, just for encouragement and our participant as uh, believers. And, and you can't comment on every single world event. You can't, otherwise, like, we would talk about anything else, but I, I'm going to do it, and hopefully this will be helpful. Uh, I, I read an article by David French uh, this past week, and he's got a great organized mind, uh, kind of a law, legal background, and um, he said this, he was asking this question just basically for himself in kind of a devotional way, understanding world events way. He said, you know, how, how do I understand and pray for the Ukrainian people? And he said, because I, I, I admit, I feel very detached from it. I mean, I, I don't know anybody personally. And, um, and, and he said, how do I even understand um, fervent nationalism? Like, if you are a Ukrainian, you say, I love the Ukraine, and I want to see the Ukraine be a country, a nation. And, and so, um, uh, and maybe this is why I, like, I enjoyed it, is that he referenced uh, C.S. Lewis, of course, and uh, uh, Lewis w was asking that same question. He said, how do we understand fervent nationalism as expressed, maybe not just in our own country, but as expressed by all the other countries? And, and, and Lewis approached it in a really domestic way. And I, I appreciate it because he kind of, it's, it's, it's more mundane and beautiful and emotional perhaps. Uh, he said this, he said, well, I have a home. I have a home. And I want my home and my neighborhood and my community and city to be safe and to be predictable and secure. I can imagine that for someone else because I too want my home to be that way. I, I, I loved that basic, simple, expressive way who says, oh, I can pray for the Ukrainians. Jesus, would you help them find a very safe home? That's a good prayer. So hopefully that's an encouragement to your heart. I know, not a lot. Let's move into our marriage series. I don't really have a brilliant segue there, okay? So you're going to have to make the jump with me, okay? Can you make the jump? Um, this is our last segment of our marriage series, and after today, we're going to have two weeks in the Psalms, and then I've got two friends that you probably have met before, uh, Dan Myers, who's a church planter, and Michael Gregory from our church plant at Bridges is going to come speak, and then we move into Palm Sunday and Easter weekend. We're going to announce what we're going to, we're proposing we're going to do something special for three days in a row, uh, Good Friday, Saturday, and Easter weekend. We'll have something for our community, um, the, both the Way community and our community at large. Uh, so we'll, we'll hopefully bring that to you uh, by next week. Um, Melissa sent this to me this past week uh, because uh, uh, she's really smart. It says this, it's, it's uh, my wife yelled at me, are you even listening to me? I said, that's a funny way to start a conversation. Um, it's funny because it's, it's true in my life. I try to listen, I do, I promise you. 
I try. Melissa says I, I catch every third word, which I can kind of stitch together. <laughs> you know, after she says something, I'm like, and then make some sense of it. And she goes, no, she gets frustrated because I'm very close to what she said. Um, it's funny because it's true. All right, this is the companion. Uh, this is, tonight is a companion to the first five in our series. And I, I do want to give you warning here is that it's intended to be an extension of those first five. It's not really intended to be just a standalone sermon. Uh, I, I say that is because um, some of you are going to really hate this tonight. Okay, and that's okay, that's fair. Um, uh, yeah, they can't all be gold, can they? Um, because most of tonight is mostly application from what we've discovered, okay? So some of you will want new ideas and new content, I'm gonna disappoint you and you're gonna go home grumpy, okay? Uh, now, but half of you are gonna say, you're gonna love this. You're gonna be like, because it's gonna give you a to-do list. It's gonna give you uh, utility. And you're gonna say this, you're gonna say, I really wish Tim would do this more. Okay? And so you'll just be grumpy next week. Okay? All right. Here's the moral. Only half of you will like it. The other half are going to be grumpy. But it's only one week. Okay? Um, I, I want to cover something really tiny before I go into a pretty big list of applications that flow from what we've been learning. And, and, and I, I'm going to call it trying versus training. Trying versus training. Um, listen, listen. Riot, riot spoke those words beautifully. L listen to this from 2 Corinthians 4. We don't lose heart. You know, that's, that's in, in the face of, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Didn't C.S. Lewis have a, a book called Weight of Glory? Okay, I digress. Just keep that, write that one down, okay? It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Oh, I like that word when I read it this past week. Um, so, this is what I'm here to tell you is I don't really want you to get discouraged. Don't throw in the towel. Don't tap yet. Don't tap out yet. We've been watching these alone series where, you know, people try to live by themselves for as long as they can in some harsh environment. And our family uses that, oh, they're gonna tap, they're gonna tap, they're gonna bail, they're gonna call, they're gonna use the sat phone and get helicoptered out. And I'm here to tell you, don't tap yet. Don't tap yet. We feel like we wanna tap, but don't tap yet. The outward signs are rough, the data's grim, our track record, my track record, not so hot, but don't tap. Renewal is happening, and this is what the text tells us, is that most, yeah, most of it looks like it's gonna be internal. Most of it's gonna be internal, and, and some, of the, some of the outward self is still gonna be wasting away, and we're gonna think, I, is it working? I don't know if it's working. But then the text in 2 Corinthians tells us this. But this is prepping us for an eternal weight of glory beyond anything you're hoping for and I'm hoping for, and it doesn't have a comp. 
doesn't have a comp. You know, someone tells you to watch a movie or a Netflix series or a TV show. They always have a comp, don't they? They're like, oh, if you love this, then you're going to like this. It, it's similar to, right? What is ahead of you and me has no comp. It's not like a drug high. It's not like sex. It's not like when the first cocktail kind of hits you on the, when you're on the beach and you're like, life is sort of engineered wonderfully. That's not the comp. It has no comp. What lies before us. And that's why I'm saying don't tap. That's why Paul is saying don't tap. Don't tap. Um, uh, this is big because we are being prepped. We are being prepped by our Savior for that thing that has no comp. All this practical wisdom that I'm going to throw out to you tonight. It's a list too. It's a whopper of a list. It's 15 things. This list I'm going to throw out to you is not for trying. It's not for trying. Trying is getting something else. Um, trying, is, trying is trying to go for something, but you really have other reasons why you're going for it. Trying is like um, for approval. Trying is for achievement, for position, for assessment. Trying, trying is getting you something and attaining you. It's like, yep, I I, I'm trying to get this thing. Uh, let me give you an example. An example of trying is this, and I hate that I have a real example of this. Trying is this, is you go to an orphanage, true story here. You go to an orphanage as a couple, and you basically test drive a kid for a couple weeks. And they are trying. Oh, they are trying. They are trying to mind and behave and to put the good face forward and to be cheery and not in the way. To show studiousness and, and aspirations possibly. But if you see some red flags, you can take that kid back, true story, and you can test drive another one. Oh, no, this is it. Trying has a binary ending. You made it or you didn't. I, I, that comes from a true story. Like, it crushes. So training is different. That's trying. Training is this. Oh, you're a son and daughter already. <laughs> We've established that. You are a son, you're a daughter, and guess what? You don't have to try. You don't have to try for my love, you don't have to try for my meal, my table, my clothes, my, my car. You can ding it up, you can wreck it, and guess what? We're gonna have to get another one. We're just gonna have to get another one. You don't try in a family, but you know what you do? You do train in a family. Yeah. Oh. You're my son, and you're my daughter, and we've got some training to do. And it's never for approval, it's never binary, it's never for attainment. 
because you're already my son, you're already my daughter. Um, that's why I, I want you to be careful. When I go through this litany of just I, great ideas to do, 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 you're not trying these things. It's godly training towards something. You're already in. You're not doing it for his approval. You're already in. You're a son and daughter, okay? Trying versus training. Now we train because the inner person is being renewed and the data looks grim. Okay, here's an incomplete list of practical ideas. Um, so quick uh, pre-qualifiers here. This is an extension, like I said, of our five other segments in this sermon series, okay? Um, uh, if you feel like there are logical gaps and bridges I should make to these ideas from whence they come biblically, I'm not gonna do that because we just don't have the time. But we did cover this stuff biblically, so it's gonna flow from all of that, okay? Um, it's gonna be good for anyone. So if you're in a marriage, it's gonna be good, yeah. If you're not in a marriage, it's gonna be good, why? Because you're gonna say, oh, you know what, I'm gonna check these, I'm gonna put this aside in some weird sidebar suitcase for the future and say, oh, I'm gonna pay attention to this. Like, I, these things are important to maybe put in place really early to foster, to cultivate, I, I'm, the next time, right? Next time, next time. Uh, now, there is a difference, and I'll try to mark these out, but there is a difference between a good idea that I wrote down and a biblical command. And, a good, and I'll try to delineate and mention it, like when I go through these, I'll be like, this was just my idea. So you can say, yeah, but I don't care for it. And I'll try to say, hey, but this one that I'm talking about is really just a biblical command for your training, not trying. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'll mark that out. Um, last pre-qualifier here is none of these are silver bullets. Like if you think, oh, I just do this list or just do one or three, like it's gonna fix everything. Nope, 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 nope. They work in an ecosystem of wholeness that works underneath the absolute, powerful, dependent, sovereign work of God. Meaning if the Holy Spirit does not show up in all of these, ain't nothing happening. Right? So, so, so you, you, if you're a to-doer and if you're a checklister, what you can't do is say, I did your dumb 15 things and guess what? It's still the same. Yeah, guess what? We need to pray to Jesus that the Holy Spirit shows up and occupies those things. Okay? Wow, that's an easy out for me, isn't it? <laughs> okay, here it is, enough. I only have 15 of these. Okay, the, the first one is this, is I would encourage you, if you are married right now, even if you've been married a long time, sign up for six, that's what I'm calling it. Would you do this for your marriage, that would you sign up for six sessions with a counselor or therapist? I'm gonna post all these things this next week, and I'll have recommendations, so don't worry about that now. Um, would you sign up? Um, Counseling and therapy is not just for emergencies. Um, I, I bring, uh, I'm gonna compare my marriage to a, a car, I guess. But like, you know, I bring my, you, you have tune-ups that you're like, oh, I don't, don't wait for your transmission to go out to bring your car in for tune-up, right? So you can go in for a tune-up. Um, but I would say this, is don't put the burden on the poor person that is your counselor and say, Guess what? You have to fix in six weeks what I took six years to create. Don't do that garbage, okay? They're not going to fix it, but what you can do is this, is in that sign up for six, is you can have a small goal. 
You can have a small goal to say, hey, I want to learn, or you guys can talk about this. We want to learn how to uh, argue better, like fairly. Just have a small goal with metrics that's, that you can achieve in a, in a, in a six-week period, okay? Um, um, uh, another one is, uh, it can be, uh, all my good ideas are written down here. Um, uh, it can be, look, I want to communicate with my spouse better. And then you can have a metric. I will know that I'm communicating better with my, with my spouse when these things happen, right? It can be like, okay, we'd love to have more intimacy together. Okay, have a small goal. Don't try to fix the whole marriage. But I would encourage all of us to say, hey, sign up for sex. Sign up for sex. You can do that. All right, that's one. Two. Uh, um, two is this. is It's dinner and date night, but with a purpose. And what I mean by that is uh, a lot of us, I think, try to in, uh, put into our schedules time with our spouse that we go do something. And that's really good. Um, our, our community loves to eat good food. I love that about this community. It's so amazing. Um, but... but um, I, I'll, I'll post this this next week as well, is you can work through a list of questions and say, hey, we're going to talk about one question at some point during our really good meal, all right? So it, it's date night with a purpose that talks about your marriage. And what's great about this is um, you can blame it on me because sometimes it's really generic. You're like, oh, it's really awkward to bring up this question. Like, we normally wouldn't bring up questions. You're like, oh my goodness, Tim, this is the homework that Tim made me do. Like, it's easier to say, hey, Tim really wants us to do this, so let's do it, okay? So it, it kind of softens the, the, the blow, I guess. <laughs> the third thing is identify a couple that you'd like to grab dinner and talk marriage about. It's kind of the same thing as date night. I'm gonna post a list of questions. Um, it has to be uh, a couple that you trust, uh, or, or you realize, hey, I have to build a friendship with a couple before we get to that weird marriage talk. Okay, if that's the first step, find a couple where you say, hey, I'm going to try like, to get together four times a year. That's once a quarter. That's tough with all of our schedules. It's harder than you think with everything that we're doing. But you may have to build that friendship first. If you have that friendship, talk marriage with another couple. Talk marriage with another couple, and I'll post all, you know, some questions that you could do during a dinner time. And eat great food. Have it be expensive. It's great. It's not on me. It's on you, though. Okay? I'm not going to pay for that. Um, fourth is this, is re-engage. I need to do this. So, so a lot of this that I'm telling you, I am not standing on some high perch looking down and saying, it'd be great if you did all these things that I No, this is like getting me. <laughs> Melissa asked me, she goes, are we going to sign up for six? I was like, yes, we're going to sign up for six. <laughs> All right, so I need to do this thing as well. I am not good at this. Re-engage a daily check-in. That's also intentional. And it can be 10 minutes or it can be 15 minutes. And it does, I would plead with you is don't choose an inflaming topic for this daily check-in. Have it be as superficial as current events, right? Do you remember that illustration I said about after our counseling, this was... Uh, you know, nine years ago now, we had to start playing Uno together, right? That's a good, beautiful, re-engage a daily check-in. And then it will move into, oh, let's, let's talk about one thing you were anxious about or one thing that encouraged you. But reinitiate and engage a daily check-in. Um, small amount. Um, number five. I, this one also is for me. I stink at this. Um, you'd think like the preacher would be great at this. I stink at this especially initiating, is put prayer together on your calendar and schedule, because it ain't happening if you don't know it. 
Some, some of you are actually beyond me. And I love your marriages that do that. I'm like, that's beautiful. I need, Tim, would you just, I got to do this. I desire it, but I've been really weak. The flesh, right? The flesh is willing, or the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Um, inside that prayer time, and this, this accomplishes a goal that we talked about last week, is start with praying for something outside of your marriage and your kids. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's actually harder to pray with someone about this and even your spouse. So start with praying for something big, for the flourishing of something that exists outside your marriage. Start there, and then you can bump down to um, personal stuff. Six, uh, identify a personal friend. So this is um, like a one-on-one. Find a friend that yes, you can go coffee, yes, you can talk about, you know, stuff going on with your kids and stuff, but make, carve out a little time of that to talk specifically about marriage. Um, this is, we get this scripturally too, is even find someone older than you that has been through it uh, and say, hey, I'm in this season, you might be out of this season, could you, could you speak into it? That's helpful. Um, Pray together with this friend. If you need a book for a frame, that's fine. That's fine. You could read a book together. That's, that's great. Presbyterians love to learn something. In fact, we don't really think we had a gathering unless we learned something. Uh, seven, um, you, you need a small group of friends. And I, may, I, I don't mean small group, meaning NG small group. I mean small group of friends that are same gender and you might just start this, start and organize a trip that's just fun. And what's gonna happen in that trip is that you are gonna trust this, these other people and build trust in relationships and say, hey, oh, this is, this is we could, when we get together again, we could talk about marriage. So a small group of friends is important. Um, number eight, um, when I say small group, I do mean it in the, the churchy, small group sense. Like NG is what we call them, neighborhood groups here at the way. And um, this is why I say that, is it is a micro version of the body of God that doesn't happen during a worship time. Okay? Uh, This is attached to my next point. Um, It's a place small enough where you have to know people and you have to be known and the dynamics change. It's a place where the church, I'm going to rip off Sam McFerrin here, it's the, where the church is chosen for you, and you don't handpick all the, the cool people that you think you'd really get along with. No, it's a microcosm of the church that Jesus chooses for you, and it does something healing over a long period of time, because there are perspectives there that are given to you that you didn't think before. Uh, nine. Um, I, I would say this, I, I have to say this, especially because the pandemic is thawing. Um, it, it, it might be officially over in a few weeks. Uh, but I would say this, is reestablish worship. That's, that's what happens here. And the reason why I say that is, this is what happens at worship. It's, God's for, it, it's God for God's sake alone. God for God's sake alone. Now, many of us have had experiences 
either what we grew up in or adult experiences where um, the vehicle of showing up at a, where Christians were gathered is you expected this vehicle to give you um, friends, depth, relationships, activities, service, volunteering, food, fun, conversations, authenticity, children's curriculum, and like you wanted, you wanted all of the package to be put into the vehicle of this. And guess what? Everyone goes away disappointed. I wish people would, wouldn't talk so superficially. Guess what? This is not the vehicle for that. <laughs> all right? The, you know what this is? It is God for God's sake. I show up here, I show up here for God. You show up here for God. But we have to reestablish this, why? Is when, you see this, is when the people left Egypt, what was the first thing that God instituted? I've, t- I've said this before, I'm just like, you guys need a clean water program, you need literacy, especially from the slave people been uh, you know, in bondage for 400 years. I've got a lot of other plans. I don't think worship, we need to start with worship. That's great, we'll get there, but we're not gonna start with worship. We're, we're gonna start with all a building project. Come on, we've got other things we gotta do. Food distribution system, a governance, let's, let's set that up, and then we'll get to this work. And God says, nope, we're gonna establish worship first. Why, what is he saying? He's saying it's primary. Whatever you worship is going to drive every last thing you do. So it's actually this time that we have, it's not the most amount of time we spend on something, but Jesus' scriptures are telling you this. It is the fundamentally, it is the most important thing to establish in your life. What you worship. So that's my plug for reestablishing worship. But don't put all these other expectations on what has to happen here. It's not a curation of programs and all these other things that need to be. It is God for God's sake. Have I been thinking about that a little bit? Probably. Probably. Okay. Reestablish worship 10. Um, this one is huge. Establish a hobby, an enjoyable one, by the way, not just one that the other one does. Like, you're not going to get me into quilting, it ain't going to happen. All right, establish a hobby with your spouse that's enjoyable for both. The reason why I say that is um, what happens in marriage that you may have experienced and I've experienced is that we are awesome business partners, we talked about that, and we have this tendency to roll on parallel tracks. They're going the same direction, it's really kind of beautiful, it works, like you handle your biz, I handle my biz, you do this part for the kids, you do this part for the meal, I'll do this, you do that. It's like a train, it moves, it gets, it's very productive, it looks awesome, it gets places, it does something, it's great. But guess what, it's on those parallel tracks. This is what happens is you're like, oh, I don't know what I enjoy with them anymore. So it, it can, I mean, it can be, it can be anything, it can be going to games together, right? Because Melissa loves going to games with me, right? As long as there's food, all right? I can, I can sway with food. Um, but establish a hobby together. Establish and cultivate enjoying something together as you walk side by side. All right, uh, number 11. Um, th- this is kind of funny. Um, um, I had a professor in seminary. He said this is, uh, oh, let me tell you, the number 11 is um, establish a time of family, and I don't even know what to call this, Family devotions, almost times too pious. You're like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think I have it in my house. Meeting, family meeting? Well, it sounds a little too official, too businesslike. Eh, I don't know. Family gathering, get together, do something where the, the you, the group of you, sit under 
the word. And what I mean by sit under the word is have that, just speak into it where you guys talk about it and you pray. All right, I had a professor who said this is never stop starting family devotions. And what he meant by that is everyone quits. <laughs> Guilty as charged. All right, never stop starting. I love that. Um, let your family sit under the word. Now, when I say this and you're like, uh, we have our family meetings on Sunday night. When I say this, you already have visions of just like, oh, the Lee and families are, are just in a duckling row right by the couch and it's quiet and they're reverently praying. Oh my sweet goodness. You call a family meeting at my house and everyone decides, guess what? I am gonna mess this meeting up. It's crazy town. It, it, fall, it falls apart. Like everybody, they can look and stare at a screen without moving any maxofacial muscles whatsoever for an hour. But if I call a family meeting, they're like jumping up and down and going crazy. It's gonna look horrible. Everyone's gonna get frustrated and mad. But this is what is huge, especially, let me just talk to you dads. Like pull together the family and say, hey, um, this is what we do. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do. Devo- I don't want to make another devotion. So we watch some like Bible project video and we pray for neighbors and our friends who don't know Jesus and you know and, we, and that's it. And it's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. Never stop starting family devotions. Getting your family together. I'm telling. They'll remember it. It's huge for your family. All right. Uh, private worship. Um, this is what I mean by that. It's you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and His Word. Um, and it's you munching and chewing and reflecting, and I love this word, that cow word, ruminating, where you take something in and you kind of digest it a little bit and then you kind of, well, bring it back up, sorry. Chew on it some more, <laughs> swallow it some more. Hey, it's the illustration I had. I want to see you do it. <laughs> All right, you ruminate over something. Uh, but this is what I love, is, is you think that sounds idyllic. Oh, there's Tim just doing his preacher thing and just has his nose in the word. I can just see it now. Faint glints of beams of light coming through the blinds, kind of hitting him. That's right at the time. I don't know why I'm talking like that. Uh, you know what word I would use sometimes? I contend earnestly. Frederica Matthews Green, I get this from her, totally ripping it off from her, is um, she didn't know Jesus as an adult, and she was entertaining the, the, these new conceptions of Christianity. And she said, I w- I'm, I'm the worst, most annoying convert, most unwilling convert I can think of. She said, because I would read these horrible difficult, frustrating, confusing things in the word. And she said, I would leave it and I'd, I, would, I would go away. And she said, some people are brought to Jesus through the warm, inspiring, loving thoughts of the word. She said, that's valid and true, but she said, not me, not me. She said, you know why I kept on coming back to the word is because it was confounding me. 
Let that be a place where you contend earnestly with your father. Jacob style, I will not leave this place. I will not leave this place until you bless me. That's good stuff. That'll build you, and it will build you for your spouse. All right, um, 13. Memorize scripture. Look, you guys know your weaknesses more than I do. Find the scriptures that refresh you and lock them away. Find the scriptures that forgive you and lock them away. Find the scriptures that, that, that challenge you at the point of where the battle is happening and lock them away. Uh, the Psalms say this, your word I have put in here. Your word I've put in here so that I might not sin against you. 14, have a playlist of songs. The songs that get past all your defensiveness. The songs that exhilarate you, remind you of how big God is. The ones that speak to your darkness and beat it back. The ones that show you a vision for life bigger than just yours. 15, read a book. This is, this is very Presbyterian. I get it. I get it. Um, I, I can commend two to you, um, like The Meaning of Marriage. Tim Keller, I think, is really wonderful. Um, there's another one by Paul Tripp, What Were You Expecting? I think it's really great for those who have been married a while. Um, I used to do this in premarital counseling. I used to have this book that we would go together, uh, go through together as the couple. I don't do this anymore, but I'll just tell you what I used to do in failure. Um, and, and, and we'd go through a solid book where concepts, hmm, A plus, great, great, great. And you know what's funny is everybody gets the right answers. They're like, well, I read it here, and it says here. And everyone's like, yes, that is true. I agree with this. This, this is the thing about how marriage should be. Again, I don't know what, what, the, what the voice is. But everyone's agreed. Everyone's just like, yes, this is awesome. And you know what? It doesn't prep anybody. You know what I tell the premarital people there, premarital people, folks, couples, um, I say, look, please just wait one year until you read a book, maybe longer, please, because this is what happens is I read a book, The Meaning of Marriage, after, what, 13 years of marriage, and it landed. Every page, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it is like that. Yeah. Mine's not like that. Like, it just lands. Read a book. Get that perspective from outside of you. Okay. I've gave you 15. Now look at this. You can hear all that and actually feel pretty judged by it and have fear. Yeah. It just feels overwhelming, dude. It feels impossible. You've, you have put more burdens on my back for my marriage. You've, not cool. Not cool. That's not good news. That's not good news. So my job is to tell you good news. This list doesn't condemn you. This list doesn't commend you. 
This, if you did this list, it doesn't commend you to God. But this list, sure as hell fire, does not condemn you before. There is no longer any condemnation in Christ Jesus, and you're in Christ Jesus. Okay. Now, you could look at that list and actually feel pretty satisfied by it. Like, I have a lot of that in place, Tim. <laughs> I do lists well. I do behavior modification well. Um, look, you doing your lists are, are not good news. I've got to tell you, doing this list is not going to commend you to your father. Uh, Christ is going to uphold you, not your lists. He's going to maintain that with perfection to the last day. He's, he's, he upholds all things by his power, by the word of his power. You don't uphold all things by your list power. You need to hear that again. All right. For all these things I've told you, training, not trying. Training, not trying. For going up, for growing up in godliness under his gifts. All right. So let's trust him with all this. I know it's a lot of application, but it flows from you are already sons and daughters of God. Okay, let's pray into this. Jesus, um, uh, your burden is light. Your burden isn't a lot of things to do. So would you give freedom tonight by your spirit and say, what are, what are the things that someone can train in? But let yourself be enough so that the training is not a burden, but a joy. In Jesus' name, amen.